Hello, I'm Derek Walker, the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church, and we're going through a study of the book of, of the whole book of Revelation. And in particular, we're looking at the sequence of events leading up to the return of Jesus Christ in power and glory. And we saw that two days before the second coming, with Israel on the point of annihilation, uh, she has a national repentance for rejecting the Messiah, and that is now complete. And she knows from Scripture that Christ will return after two days to deliver her and restore her in the Messianic Kingdom. And we saw that the words of the Jewish leaders to their people at this time is given in Hosea 6. They say, come, let us return to the Lord, for he's torn, he's judged, but he'll heal us. He's stricken, but he'll bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. And on the third day, he will raise us up that we may live in his sight. Let us know. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth from heaven is established as the morning. In other words, it's as certain and as fixed, after two days, as the sunrise. And Jesus will return as the Son of Righteousness to light up the world with his glory. Now, as soon as Israel repents, the Lord initiates a sequence of events which are designed to herald his imminent return and to protect Israel from any further destruction. We saw that the seventh bowl of wrath releases, which happens immediately then afterwards, after their repentance, the seventh bowl of wrath releases the greatest worldwide earthquake ever, which destroys Babylon the Great and all the cities of the world. In other words, his, the Antichrist, whole world empire. And these are the signs on the earth that Joel spoke about, blood, fire, and vapor of smoke. And then... There are two signs in the heavens. The moon turned to blood, signifying Israel's repentance, that they are now totally under the blood of Christ. And the sun turned to darkness. And this supernatural blackout signifies that the king of kings is about to make his entrance to judge the world. And these two signs in the heavens were point eight in our list of events leading up to the second coming. So now we come to point nine, which is that... At this point, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. Now, when the disciples asked Jesus for the signs of his coming in Matthew 24, his answer gave the blackout, followed by the appearance of his sign in the sky, a, a, a manifesting of his glory against the pitch black of the, back of the blackout. And this will happen just before he himself appears. This is in Matthew 24. The sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars of the heaven will fall. They'll fail to shine. And the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. This initial appearance of his glory will be all the more dramatic and wonderful and terrifying because of the total blackout that will last actually for probably 36 hours, uh, with the world in fearful anticipation. The glory then, that is uh, the sign in the heaven, that glory will be the only light source in the sky and it proclaiming that Jesus is truly the light of the world. The sign signifies that it is now man's last chance to repent. You know, the first sign of an advancing army is its glory, its shields reflecting in the sun and its banners of victory flying high. And likewise, men will first see Christ's banner 
before he himself appears in power and glory. The heavenly army will be detected first by its glory. And this isn't the shining of reflected light from the sun, but the glory of Christ shining out from Christ and the men and angels of his army. Most notable will be the display of his glorious banner of victory uh, before, as I say, he personally appears as its commander-in-chief. Revelation 6, 12-17 also describes this event. It says, Behold, there was a great earthquake, that's what destroyed Babylon, and the sun became black as a sackcloth of hair, that's the blackout, and the moon became like blood. And the stars of the heavens fell to the earth. And then it says, Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up. And every mountain and island was moved out of its place. So, after the great earthquake causing the destruction of Babylon, and the two signs of the heavens, the dark moon, the, sorry, the dark sun and the blood moon, um, and causing a blackout, we also read now, that the sky was rolled back like a scroll to reveal the advancing heavenly army. It kind of like opened the eyes into the spiritual realm. And the, these men see this sign, this standard, and it reveals, from, from their reaction we can deduce, that it reveals the Lamb of God who was slain is now coming to judge and reign. We see this from their reaction. It says, And the kings of the earth, the great men, rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave, every free man, hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face. They're seeing this. They're seeing something. Hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come. It's about to fall. And who is able to stand? Matthew 24 says, Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And, and so before Jesus himself comes, they will see this sign, because the sky will be rolled back like a scroll, and they will see beyond to see the armies of heaven about to return. And they'll see this sign in the sky. Well, in this scripture it talks about all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And this indicates that they know that his judgment is about to fall on them. Revelation 1:7 also describes this event in a way that makes a special mention of Israel. It says, "Behold, he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him," that's Israel. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. This affirms that Israel will be included among the tribes of the earth. Israel will not be destroyed before the earth, before the Lord returns, because she'll repent. And uh, these, these passages of the mourning and the piercing is an allusion to Zechariah 12.10 that says they, that's Israel, Christ says, they will look upon me whom they have pierced. And so that's Christ who is pierced on the cross. Yes, they will mourn. That's it. They will mourn in repentance for him. And so this is a prophecy of the repentance of Israel, that they will realize that Jesus who is pierced um, is the Messiah. And they will repent. They will mourn. And so Israel's repentance had actually taken place, as we've seen earlier that day. And whereas all the tribes of the earth will be 
who don't believe will be filled with the mourning of the doomed, the tribe of Israel will be rejoicing because they will have all repented. They will have previously done their mourning in heartfelt faith and repentance. And so if we don't mourn over our sin now, we will later mourn it on Judgment Day. The first mourning is a, is a mourning of sorrow unto life. The second mourning is sorrow unto death. Well, the next event is our point number 10, that the Lord roars from heaven and shakes the universe. This is the roar of the commanding uh, uh, commander commanding his troops to advance into battle. The next thing that happens is a shout of the King of Kings, signaling his armies to move forward to attack. As the commander of the army of heaven, the Lord of hosts, leads his army forward into battle with a shout, a battle cry that shakes the whole universe. Joel 3 says, the sun and moon grow dark, the stars lose their brightness, the Lord roars from heaven, from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem and the heavens and the earth tremble. So the Lord is, is shouts while he's still out there in the heavenly Jerusalem. Then Joel 2 says the heavens shake, that's they shake at his roar. The sun and moon grow dark and the stars lose their brightness. The Lord utters his voice before his army. That's what causes the heavens to shake. Surely his camp is very great, for strong is he who carries out his word. The day of the Lord is indeed great and very awesome, and who can endure it? And so the lion of the tribe of Judah roars, and his roar is so great that it shakes the universe. Isaiah 13 says, Therefore I will make the heavens tremble, and the earth will be shaken out from its place at the fury of the Lord of hosts in the day of his burning anger. Jesus summarized these prophecies in Matthew 24. He said, immediately after or at the close of the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky, they'll fail to shine, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. This is prophesied also in Haggai too. Thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations, that's Christ, which shall come in the second coming. See, God will be shaking the earth and the nations throughout the tribulation, and this will come to a climax in the shaking of the universe just before Christ appears. And this will be literally fulfilled. Hebrews actually quotes this, refers to it in Hebrews 12. It says that when, it's in verse 25 to 27, in Hebrews 12, it says that when God came down at Sinai, his voice literally shook the earth. And he will do this again, but on an even greater scale. It says in Haggai, but now, now he has promised, sorry, Hebrews says, but now he has promised, and that promise is in Haggai too, saying, yet once more, he did it at Sinai, but he'll do it again, yet He'll make a personal appearance, and yet once more I will shake not only the earth, as he did at Mount Sinai, but also heaven, the very heavens, the universe will be shaken. And this, then it gives the spiritual meaning of this shaking. Verse 27, Hebrews 12:27. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. See, at Christ's return, he will remove everything established by man apart from God. 
his whole world system, including the principalities and powers that rule it, for they cannot stand under the shaking of his judgments. He do does this so that only those things that are built on the firm foundation of Christ, which cannot be shaken, will remain. And so he judges, he shakes the world, to remove what can be shaken in order to establish his kingdom, which cannot be shaken. And so he says in Hebrews 12, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire, and he will burn everything that is not of his. Then, point number 11 in our sequence, Jesus himself now, finally, appears in his power and glory. And so after all these signs in the heavens and the shaking of the universe in Matthew 24, 29, Matthew 24, 30 says, Then they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Mark 13 agrees. Then they, all the tribes of the earth, will see, they'll see him personally, the Son of Man coming in clouds with power, great power and glory. So his power is power to destroy all the wicked opposition. And his glory is the shining glory of God coming out of him that will light up the whole world. Revelation 1 also speaks about this. It says, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. You see, in his resurrection, Jesus received all authority to rule the earth based on the fact that he has redeemed, he's bought back the right to rule the earth that Adam lost. And in his second coming, he's asserting, now he's claiming that authority, he's asserting that authority to establish his kingdom on earth. And then it says, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so he didn't just redeem the earth, and he's now claiming it back, but he also redeemed his people, praise God. And we, the redeemed, shall rule with him in his kingdom as kings and priests. And then it says, behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, Israel, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Again, either in in sorrow that they're going to be judged, or they will do so if they haven't previously mourned in repentance. Even so, amen. I, Jesus, I am Alpha and Omega. So this, this man, this Son of Man, is also God. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. And so Jesus, who became a man to redeem us, is also Almighty God. Praise God. Well, the second coming of Christ is one of the most major events in all of God's timetable of history. It's in many ways the climactic event of prophecy in history. It is a great turning point, for it is when he comes to, as the judge of all the world to establish his kingdom on the earth, and it's the subject of so many prophecies in the Old and the New Testaments. M many more prophecies, actually, than for his first coming. Why does Jesus return? Well, there are three purposes to his second coming. 
Number one, to save Israel, his elect nation, uh, who are calling on his name and who are about to be destroyed. So he comes to save Israel. Secondly, he comes to judge the earth and to remove all evildoers from the earth. Let's just read a few scriptures that show that. Psalm 96, he's coming, for he's coming to judge the earth. He will judge the earth in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Jude says, Behold, the Lord will come with myriads of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds which they've done in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And 2 Thessalonians 1 says, The Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. And so, number one, he comes to save Israel. Number two, he comes to judge the earth and remove the evildoers from it. Number three, he comes to destroy all of man's godless kingdoms and to establish his kingdom of righteousness upon the earth. So Jesus, the God-man, will come to judge the world. He will gather those who have become his people by accepting his covenant and he will then judge them to reward them and he will appoint them their positions in that coming kingdom. Well, point number 12 now. Uh, Revelation chapter 19, verse 1 to 10, reveals the armies in heaven just before they return with Jesus. And so, in Revelation 19, first we see heaven rejoicing over the recent destruction of Babylon described in Revelation 18. Let's read. After these things I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation, glory and honour and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, because he judged the great harlots who corrupted the earth with her fornication. That's the destruction of Babylon that has just happened. And he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her, because Babylon throughout history has been the cause of all the persecution of the saints. And again they said, Hallelujah, her smoke rises up forever and ever, and the twenty-four elders and four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sat on the throne, saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And then in Revelation 19, 5 and 6, heaven rejoices because God is about to reveal his sovereign power and establish his kingdom on the earth. Then a voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. And next in Revelation 19, the army is described, and those who return with Jesus are described as his wife. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, it's happened, and his wife has made herself ready. So it's happened because she's now his wife. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. So Christ, with his bride wife in heaven, is there in heaven, just before the second coming. And so the wife, the church, is in heaven at this point. She's clothed in fine linen, described as the righteous acts of the saints. So these are resurrected saints who stood before the judgment seat of Christ, and they've been clothed in glory corresponding to their works. They've been rewarded. 
And also, the marriage ceremony has already happened because she's now called his wife. This proves that the rapture of the church happens well before the second coming of Christ because the church is already in heaven, before Christ even leaves heaven to return to the earth. Then in verse 9, Then he said to me, Right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. See, the marriage supper takes place after the wedding and will take place on earth. The believers who are still alive on earth are the blessed ones who are invited to the marriage feast. And so the kingdom of God on earth will start with a marriage feast, a great time of rejoicing. The fact that this army is riding with Jesus, sorry, the fact that this army riding with Jesus is the bride is confirmed in verse 14 because it reveals that the army following Jesus on white horses is clothed in fine white linen. It says, And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. Clearly, you see, this identifies them with the bride wife of Christ in verse 8, which says, His wife has made herself ready, to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. So it's us, the bride of Christ, who will be riding with him into battle. Then in verse 10, John's overwhelmed with everything. He says, And I fell at the feet of the angel to worship him, but he said to me, See, you do not do that. I am your fellow servant, and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Remember, it's all about Jesus. And thus he will come with all his resurrected saints, which means the whole church, his bride, will be with him. As Zechariah says, thus the Lord my God will come and all the saints with him. Jude says, behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all. Revelation 17 says, those who are with him are called, chosen and faithful. The army that returns with Jesus also includes his angels. Jesus said, the Son of Man will come in the glory of the Father with his angels. 2 Thessalonians 1 says Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God, who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in Matthew 25, Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him. So this is going to be a massive army. Jesus said also that that, that he will come with the clouds of heaven, and and the the appearance of this vast army of men and angels clad in shining white linen will be like clouds, the clouds of heaven. You know, we we see this also at the ascension of Christ in Acts 1. It says that a cloud, when, when Jesus was taken up to heaven, a cloud received him out of their sight. And that's when the two men in white apparel, some say angels, or it could be the two witnesses, and they say, this same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will also come back in like manner that you saw him go into heaven. And so Jesus will return to heaven in the same way that he ascended. Number one, personally. Number two, visibly. Number three, physically. Number four, he will return to the Mount of Olives where he took off from. And number five, he will return in clouds. The clouds being all the saints and the angels with him. Now, point number 13 in this countdown is that Jesus goes forth to destroy the armies of the Antichrist by himself with his army behind him. 
Again, we read in Revelation 19, I saw heaven opened. Remember, we saw how heaven, how the sky would be rolled back by like a scroll, heaven opened, and that will reveal the army in the distance and the, and the banner, the sign of the Son of Man. I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and him who sat on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His all-seeing eyes are a flame of fire. and In other words, he's ready to, to see the evil and to judge it. And on his head are many diadems, and these are the crowns of all the kingdoms of the world. And he has a name written on him, which no one knows except himself. There are mysteries to Jesus that we don't even know about. He's clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, that's us, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations. And next time we'll see this sword in action as he returns. And so this sword comes out of his mouth. In other words, the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit, and he will just speak the Word, and those armies of Antichrist will be destroyed. It says, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. Again, he has the authority now to rule the nations with a rod of iron. And he will, it says, he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. The winepress is the land of Israel, and all the grapes in the winepress are actually the armies of Antichrist. And he's going to tread all those grapes underfoot in the wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In other words, he's going to set up his kingdom. And there'll be many kings over all the different countries and lords over all the different domains. But he will be the supreme king and lord over all, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So it seems from this that although he has this massive army, it seems like he does all the fighting and we're cheering him on. Um, because it's the sword coming out of his mouth that does the damage. Well, next time, we're going to follow the action of this great and awesome day of the Lord as Jesus takes on the armies of the Antichrist. My series on the book of Revelation, which goes right from the beginning all the way through to the end, verse by verse, is, was actually 29 messages in all of half an hour. And we've had at requests that... Uh, people can have the whole series together. So we've put these series on seven DVDs, and you'll get all 29 episodes on seven DVDs. And it will be £70, and you will have all of those teachings together on that DVD series, which you can use to, to show in, in home groups and in different contexts. So let me encourage you to get the whole series. Thank you for watching. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.